CCRN, the Cigar Connoisseur Radio Network. Broadcasting from Humidor 1A in the cigar city of Tampa, Florida, USA. Welcome to the Cigar Dave Show, your weekly excursion into the world of cigars, spirits, and diversions. The cigar and pleasure-friendly hotlines are open. 877-DAVE-007. Now, fire up a cigar and pour yourself a cocktail. It's time for the General Cigar Dave. And I welcome you to the one home where you as an alpha male know that you will not be harassed by any enemies of pleasure. You will not be harassed by any taxocrats or libs that want to get into your pockets and get their greasy little hands on your hard-earned dollars. We will not allow them into our pockets. We will not allow them into our humidors. We will not allow them into our wine cellars or our liquor cabinets or into our bars near our grilling areas. They are persona non grata. For those of you Democrats that are listening, translated, that means we don't want you. Get the hell out. Get the hell away. Because we, as alpha males, will enjoy good life maneuvers today without any Pleasure police, or enemy of pleasure interruption. Long ash greetings and salutations. A long ash, snappy salute, semper delictatio. Always pleasure, long live the alpha, make America great again, screw the enemies of pleasure. It is your five-star commanding general and global alpha male-in-chief front and center from a classified location somewhere on the North American continent, I have moved the Ford Theater of Operations, our Command Center Alpha, to a very classified and secure location. I cannot tell you where for numerous reasons, but suffice it to say, I am indeed protected from any taxocrats, any enemies of pleasure, and any other libs that want to come near my supply of great cigars, spirits, and the steaks, by the way. Always, always travel with fine, dry-age steaks, so I'm ready to go on any grill. As always, I invite you to follow along on social media. I was pretty active during the NFL draft, especially with my Buffalo Bills. Not very happy. I'll get to that in just a minute. So go to CigarDave.com. And by the way, Sergeant Steve, are we not working on a uh, – we just – I know a couple of years ago we came up with a new version of CigarDave.com. I believe that you are working on a new and improved version. We are. It should be up in the next few weeks. Outstanding. I know I saw some of the prototypes. I like it. Clean. Clean. Very 2008-looking. That I like. 2018-looking. So, what did I say? 2008? Yes. I thought I said 2018. All right, 2018. There you go. Give me two some zero. Credit. No, no, 2018. <laughs> 2018. Two zero one. Hey, long wheat. What can I tell you? 2018. So we will have that in the next few weeks. But if you go right now to cigardave.com, upper right hand corner, you will see our links to follow us on all the social media platforms Twitter, Facebook, hate Facebook, hate Mark Zuckerberg. Hate Cheryl Sandberg. Lean in. Yeah, go ahead. Let's all lean in. Women, take your place at the table, except when Facebook is being barraged with criticism. Then, do what I say. Don't lean in, lean out, and go to your safe space. Love the hypocrisy. But uh, Twitter, Facebook... By the way, why is there no... Why is there no competition to Facebook? 
Why do we not have an uncensored version of Facebook? Why has someone not come on? I realize that Facebook loves the monopoly, but I would love to see a competitor because I know a lot of people now are fed up with Facebook. A lot of the nation's youths, the youth, are abandoning Facebook in droves. And i got to tell you, I'm bored with it. I like Twitter. I like the instantaneous aspect of it. Just uh, not a big Facebook fan. But we post on Twitter. We post on Facebook, Instagram, YouTube. And uh, I think that pretty much covers it all. If there's another one, Sergeant Steve, you will remind me. But make sure you follow me. My Buffalo Bills, not happy. Not very happy at all. Our general manager, Brandon Bean, who I had a lot of faith in, really liked what they did in the first year. Uh, Brandon Bean, the general manager, came from the Carolina Panthers, liked what Sean McDermott, our head coach, did, got to the playoffs. They made a lot of roster moves last year, so they would have the ammo to be ready to draft a quarterback or do what they needed to do to bulk up the roster. Two firsts, two seconds, two thirds. We're in great position. And lo and behold, Josh Rosen and Josh Allen are available. Also, what is it? What, what's the uh, – Sergeant Steve, what's the quarterback from uh, Louisville? Was it, what was his name? Lamar? Lamar Jackson. Jackson? Lamar Jackson. Who I didn't think was really – just didn't, didn't really have any interest in bringing him on. Good fit for Baltimore, not for the Bills. So Brandon Bean makes a trade with the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, gives up our two second-round picks this year, moves up, and actually gains, I think, a seventh-round pick as well. And I'm thinking, that's it. They are going for Josh Rosen. Thank you. I'm, I'm so perturbed that I, I can't think straight from what has gone on. So perturbed that they drafted this Josh Allen kid. I, I watched the – first of all, I saw a number of his games throughout the season. Any of the high-ranking quarterbacks, I made it a point to watch. Even some games that I really didn't care. I wanted to see what they were doing. Darnold, uh, I wasn't so high on him. Look, I think all the five, six quarterbacks that were projected to be first-rounders or high second-rounders, I thought there were flaws in all of their games. But of all the quarterbacks that were available, Josh Rosen, by far, the kid can throw. He's got a brain. This is the kind of kid you want. Hey, look, I don't agree with him on Trump, but I think he's young, and he will mature. Remember, when Jim Kelly came to the Bills or a lot of other quarterbacks, yeah, they were a little wild but then they mature, they settle in, and they realize that it is now a profession, being in the National Football League. And so what does Brandon Bean, the general manager, I'm thinking there's no way they're going to take this Josh Allen kid. This kid played, this his competition when he, when he was in, I think, what, the Big West or Big Sky Conference for Wyoming, when he played better competition, didn't look good, accuracy an issue, who cares if he's 6'4", who cares if he can heave the ball 70 yards. I don't know of too many design plays that are 70 yards, except a Hail Mary. And then it's a crapshoot with very, very low odds. I want a guy that can sling the ball 20, 30, 40 yards. I want a guy that's smart, that can react quickly. We went through Tyrod Taylor. This Tyrod Taylor was slow, couldn't react to the defense, couldn't find the open man in time. Same thing with this Josh Allen kid. But they're enamored with him. Oh, he's got big hands. He's tall. He's a Buffalo guy. Mark my words. I said it on Twitter. Go to my Twitter timeline. Mark my words. Josh Allen will be a draft bust. I was right about Rex Ryan when the Bills hired Rex Ryan. And I know I'm being a little Buffalo Bills specific, but I got to vent it out, my fellow alphas and fellow lieutenants. And I know that if you, your team, drafted a guy that you didn't like, you would do the exact same thing. And I'll make this very quick. But Josh Allen, this kid will be a bust. I said it about Rex Ryan the day they hired him. I said he's full of bluster. He's a, he's a blowhard. 
I was right. They got rid of him. In two years, the same thing about Josh Allen. I don't think the kid is a bad kid, but I think he doesn't have the ability, can't think quick enough. And he's a project. Why do I want to trade up? Why do I want to give up valuable draft capital to trade up for a project? Josh Rosen, he's the guy. Now, I said to Sergeant Steve that if they selected Josh Allen and Jess that I would be a Bengals fan, I may have to be joining. Is there like the Tiger? What do they call that? The Bengals den? The, what do they call it? The jungle? What do they the call jungle. it? There? The jungle. The jungle, yes. The jungle. I've, I've okay, got your jungle. helmet and hat and shirt on order. Outstanding. I will, I will wear it. I tell you, because I, I, I'm just, but I will, I'm now an Arizona Cardinals fan. Because I am so perturbed at what the Bills did. Their second pick that they selected, a linebacker, young kid, nineteen. I think he's nineteen years old, if I'm not mistaken. He is. But he's kid. pretty good. He's pretty good. Oh, he's a. He is going to be a stud. There's no doubt in my mind. I think that was a great pick moving up. I have no problem with that. Tremaine Edmonds. Tremaine Edmonds, inside linebacker, six five, two fifty three. This guy's going to fill out. He is going to be an absolute stud of an inside linebacker. There's no doubt about it. Josh Allen, not going to happen. And to all my fellow Buffalo Bills fans, I know we have a lot of people listening on our great affiliate in Buffalo, 930 WBEN. Mark my words, he will be a bust. Do not discount Nathan Peterman, second-year man out of Pittsburgh. He had a horrible start at the Los Angeles Chargers, it's still kind of weird to say the L.A. Chargers, terrible start there. But I really believe that was a fluke. Mark my words on him. He can play. I watched him at Pitt, watched him in the ACC. I believe that he will shine. If there's a true, legitimate, open quarterback competition at training camp this summer, I believe that Nathan Peterman will win, and I believe he will be a fine National Football League quarterback. All right, speaking of Buffalo, we will have the Cigar Dave Alpha Pleasure Fest on the water. We announced that the uh, date is going to be Saturday, August 11th, 10 a.m. to 3 p.m., Buffalo Riverworks. Here's what we are going to do. Let me give you the dates of how we are going to open up tickets because it's going to sell out again. We sold out last year. We're not adding any more tickets, so we are. it's limited, and we sold it out last year. On May 5th, during the Cigar Day broadcast, noon to 2 Eastern time, we will be sending an email, maybe a little bit earlier, sending an email to all the previous attendees at the Buffalo Alpha Pleasure Fests. They will get first crack. Actually, here's what we're going to do. I'm going to open it up a little bit. All attendees over the last two years to the Buffalo Alpha Pleasure Fest and the Tampa Alpha Pleasure Fest, I will send you, you will get first crack at buying tickets to our special event. Gurkha Cigar will be our presenting sponsor, going to be launching, I think, two or three new Gurkhas. There's one that we will announce next week, Off the Charts Incredible Cigar. You're going to love it. May 12th, we will then open up whatever tickets remain to the public. So our previous attendees in 2016 and 2017 to both the Buffalo and Tampa Alpha Pleasure Fest, they get first crack. Then after that, we open it up to the public on May 12th. So we are very excited about that. More details to come. Uh, all right, let me start off. I, I got a little bit winded. You know what happens? I, I know it sounds crazy that I get on a tangent. I just can't help myself sometimes. But this is very important. This involves living a longer, healthier life. Saw this article in the New York Post, had to share it with you. Headline, well, actually, before I get to that, I don't want to. I don't want to bury the. Well, I kind of do want to bury the lead just a little bit. But science has found the key to success for men to live longer lives. The average life expectancy for a man is seventy-nine, whereas women 
are expected to live to 82. And according to Medical Daily, the reason women outlive men is genetics. Women have two X chromosomes, which provides them a backup if a mutation occurs. Men do not have that luxury. They have one X chromosome to express all their genes. But lifestyle factors can also impact how long a person will live. And they have come out with six ways that males, especially alpha males, can boost life expectancy. The first one is something very easy. It is painless. In fact, it is pleasurable. And this five-star commands you. I order you to follow this every single day because I, Cigar Dave, your general, your alpha male leader-in-chief, am looking out for your health. And the first way that you can boost your life expectancy, stare at women's boobs, preferably bodacious, voluptuous, large boobs. My preference, store-bought, man-made. But you may like natural, but stare at boobs. But don't do it. Don't be obvious about it. you got to be very subtle. It may seem like an inconvenience or invasion of privacy to many women, but staring at boobs creates a positive mindset in men. A 2012 study published in the Archive of Internal Medicine looked at the effects positive thinking had on men's health, and more than half of the patients with coronary artery disease increased their physical activity versus the 37% of the control group who were asked not to write down their positive thoughts in the morning. Same thing with high blood pressure. So looking at boobs is healthy for you. Now, again, you can't be obvious. Keep your tongue in your mouth. The second thing, and again, I am ordering this for you, have lots of sex. A study in the BMJ, whatever that is, found that sex could decrease a man's mortality rate by as much as 50%. In the study, life expectancy increased by three to eight years in the group who reported more pleasurable orgasms because sex, good for your, it's a stress reliever. It is, promotes physical well-being, can help reduce the likeliness of, of uh, illness. It releases serotonin, the happy hormone, which makes us feel better overall. So that is a good thing. More sex. So stare at boobs, more sex. Here are the remaining four things. Not as important as staring at racks and having sex. More sex. Get married, have kids, be responsible, and get a dad bod. Well, stay in shape. But the first two things, believe me, you cannot overdose on staring at gorgeous women's bodacious racks and having lots of ample sex. So follow my lead. Follow my instruction. This is why all men should have a harem. Because think about this. If you have a harem of 32 women, that is 64 boobs that you will be looking at on a continuous basis daily. And if you're banging 32 women, you're enjoying pleasure maneuvers, horizontal pleasure. Oh, by the way, we had one affiliate that took did not like that I said banging. So uh, they may be leaving us, and we will not miss them. Goodbye. Adios. Because uh, actually they have a female program director who doesn't get it, who doesn't understand the alpha male lifestyle. We understand the alpha male lifestyle. But you have to remember there are many females out there, they despise the fact that as alphas, we're happy, we are strong, we are decisive, we are confident. They don't like that. Mostly the insecure ones. You look at most women, they want a strong alpha male. Turns them on. That's what they want. But I'm looking out for you. As your global alpha in chief, your global five-star alpha male leader, I want you to live longer, healthier lives. So stare at boobs, have lots of sex, get the harem, 
That is 32 times 2. That's 64 uh, boobs that you'll be looking at daily. And then that's 32 dames you will be in partaking with horizontal pleasure maneuvers as well. Maybe not all in the same day, but always again. It's all about your health. That's why I'm here. I'm just relaying this as a public service from your five-star commanding general. The April selection for the Cigar Dave Officers Club is a Davidoff portfolio sampler, including the Avo XO. This stick has a lightly colored Ecuadorian Connecticut wrapper that's as pleasing to the eye as it is to the palate. The Avo XO is sweet and creamy with hints of nut and pepper. Not a member of the Officers Club? Get premium cigars shipped directly to you every month by signing up today at CigarDave.com. In 1964, Jose O. Padron began rolling cigars bearing his name in modest surroundings with one guiding principle, always focus on quality, never on quantity. Nearly 40 years later, Padron cigars are recognized for their superior taste and majestic construction. The result of Padron controlling all aspects of the cigar making process, including planting their own seeds, growing and curing their own tobacco, and constantly supervising the rolling room. To Wall Street, it is called vertical integration. To the Padron family, it's called making great cigars. The Padron lines include the Padron 1964 Anniversary Series and the Padron Traditional line. All Padron cigars are wrapped in Nicaraguan sun-grown Habano tobacco, available in natural or maduro. Experience Padron. For your Padron retailer, call 1-800-453-5635. When Padron is on the band, quality is a matter of family honor. Surgeon General Warning. Tobacco use increases the risk of infertility, stillbirth, and low birth weight. The Cigar Dave Show is available 24-7, 365 via the Cigar Dave mobile app for Android, iPhone, as well as Amazon Kindle. You don't need to be in front of a radio. You just need to have your mobile device ready to go. And you can listen to me take on the enemies of pleasure. Talk about the alpha male good life as we talk cigars, spirits, diversions, grilling, everything associated with the alpha male good life. So go download the Cigar Dave mobile app today, presented by Diamond Crown. And you can listen to the show live, noon to 2 Eastern time, anywhere around the world. And as soon as the show is done, we run a continuous loop. The show is also available on demand. Also our Twitter feed, Facebook feed, and the ability for you to record a message and send it directly to us. So go right now. If you've got an Android, an iPhone, or the Amazon Kindle, Go and download the Cigar Dave mobile app presented by Diamond Crown. Never miss a minute of a Cigar Dave show with a Cigar Dave mobile app. America's Alpha Male with Nads of Steel, the General Cigar Dave. Well, during the break, I calculated how much, what age I should live to based upon the six ways men can live longer, especially the first two. Stare at women's racks and have lots of ample sexual pleasure maneuvers. So I did the calculation based upon the harem of 32 bodacious lovely dames. I should live till approximately 488 years of age. Uh, and again, for betas, 
they wouldn't be able to handle looking at beautiful racks. They wouldn't be able to handle having lots of sex. They wouldn't know what to do. I love when a beta says, oh, yeah, I know. Oh, she's so hot. And I look at them and say, you wouldn't know what to do if she came right in front of you and said, hello, big boy, take off your clothes. I want to have pleasure maneuvers with you. He would start gasping. He'd start shaking. He'd start foaming. He wouldn't know what to do. This is the difference between an alpha male and a beta male. Alphas, we're confident. We act like we've been there before. Betas, they have no idea what they are doing. This is a great story. You know, we always talk about our great World War II veterans. We talk about Richard Overton, the oldest living veteran, I think, of the world and one of the oldest Americans in the United States. I think he's going to be celebrating his 112th birthday coming up here in, uh, in May. Had the chance to visit him. And I always love great veteran stories, and this is a story that captured my attention that I absolutely had to share with you, and it revolves around a Navy veteran by the name of Paul Sonnier, who is a World War II veteran. He was in the Navy during the Pearl Harbor attack, served during World War II. He is now 92 years of age. He is in ill health. He is bedridden. But he had a dying wish fulfilled thanks to a Mississippi sorority. He'd always ask a, one of the uh, women in the sorority who actually volunteered through Southern Care Hospice Services, where she is interning. And the uh, woman's name is, let me find her name here, because wait a minute, I had it here, uh, Jessica Moreau. Jessica Moreau. She said that Mr. Sonnier would always ask me if I wanted to go to Roper's, which is apparently a local bar in Hattiesburg, Mississippi. And the he was, would say that he would teach her how to jitterbug and do the waltz. Well, she said, we can't go there, but we're going to dance to the music. She grasped his hands. And uh, additionally, she said, I've got some other beautiful women that would like to dance with you as well. And she was able to get the rest of her sorority sisters from Phi Mu Sorority at the University of Southern Mississippi in Hattiesburg, not only to come and uh, hold his hand and do the dancing for him, but also have a party in his honor. So great work and really accolades to these college girls. Not all the millennial generation are vast wastelands of kids that need safe space. Great story. You, you need to add some alpha to your Facebook news feed. By following The General, you'll get the latest intel in the world of cigars. Info on the show each week and see what The General is smoking. Click like at Facebook.com slash Cigar Dave. America is under attack. Basic freedoms, privileges, and acts that we would normally take for granted are disappearing each day, including the simple ability to enjoy a cigar. This is Glenn Loop, Executive Director of Cigar Rights of America, CRA. At a time when elected officials should be thinking about education, public safety, and creating jobs, they are actually thinking about smoking bans, new taxes, and regulations of historic proportions on premium cigars. The cigars that provide us with pleasure, relaxation, and fellowship are under attack. We have to stop it. That's why Cigar Rights of America was created, to work for a new political day for cigar enthusiasts across America, to roll back restrictive laws and defeat onerous taxes and regulations that impact everyone from your local cigar shop to your personal humidor. 
For the price of a few great cigars, be a part of this effort to protect your right to enjoy a cigar without excessive taxation and cumbersome legislation. Go to CigarRights.org. Let's tell the government we've had enough. Join now, CigarRights.org. With an unlimited and secure supply of pleasure sticks available for the general to enjoy, it's time for National Cigar Litation Maneuvers. Well, I am going to enjoy a wonderful pairing of cigar and libation today. And my libation will be to commemorate the 144th running of the Kentucky Derby next week. And in the next hour, we'll be joined by Brad Free. Handicapper for the Daily Racing Forum and broadcaster for TVG has also authored the book Handicapping 101. We'll do our Kentucky Derby preview and Handicapping 101 hour that we will spend with him. So next week we have Cinco de Mayo tasting maneuvers. So we're going to do the Kentucky Derby and the handicapping this week. So I'm going to celebrate appropriately this week with a special Kentucky Derby inspired libation. So I need a cigar that will go nicely. That will be a nice pairing, a nice accoutrement. And I pulled out one of the three cigars that is featured in the April 2018 Cigar Dave Officers Club selection from the Davidoff Portfolio Sampler. All of our lieutenants, or I should say our members, our officers, are getting an Avo XO, a Camacho Ecuador, and the Griffins. And I've just pulled out a Griffins 500. Wonderful size, Corona size, going back, classic. Five inches in length with a 42 ring gauge, or 42 64ths of an inch in diameter. It is a lovely cigar that dates back. I remember when I started the Cigar Dave show and its predecessor smoked this back in July of 1995. The Griffins was a very popular cigar from Davidoff. Connecticut Ecuadorian wrapper, Dominican filler and binder. It is incredible, incredibly smooth. Great taste, creaminess. Even after 25 plus years, it has not lost its appeal. It's kind of on the back burner. It's one of those cigars that gets lost on the back burner, but incredible smoothness, wonderful sweetness from the wrapper. It is indeed a magnificent cigar. Gets lost in the shuffle, but I can tell you that the Griffins, a great cigar. And I have told my good friends, Rich Krudick, over at Davidoff, as well as Dylan Austin, I'm like, gents, the Griffins getting lost in the shuffle. You've come up with great new cigars, great new brands, but don't forget the Griffins. And they said, General, we've got some special plans for Griffins. Sit tight, just wait. So we were pleased and thrilled that we could put the Griffins 500 as one of the cigars in the Davidoff portfolio sampler of the April 2018 Officers Club selection. And that's what I will enjoy today. Probably about eight, nine dollars for this particular cigar. Rich and creamy, just buttery, incredibly smooth, a perfect cigar all the way around. Not doesn't get the cachet value that some of the other cigars do today, but I will tell you, you pick one of these up, you will love the Griffin Cigar Portfolio. Cigar-altering and highly sharpened leaf-exposing device. Self-sharpening double-edged stainless steel guillotine in my hot hand and ready 
for major action on this Griffin 500. Maximum BTU flamethrowing and heat producing apparatus. Well, I'm going old school. I'm not going to bring one of the Cigar Dave R&D laboratory concoctions, one of the litation devices. I'm not going to use a flint style litation device. I'm actually going to use a good old fashioned wooden match. In fact, I don't even have cigar matches. I've got the good old diamond strike on the box matches, and that's exactly what I'm going to use. That's what I travel with. Works like a charm. Not as fancy as one of the two or three inch cedar cigar light, uh, cigar matches. Not as fancy as my Cigar Dave signature lock and load or my Mala Make American Lightade again, but it will do the trick. And that's why I always suggest keep a box of these with you, travel with you. You can bring them on airplanes. You never know when you're going to. You can actually, you can hear them right there. Still got about 20 left in the box. That'll work great on my Griffins 500. Cigar, Cigar pre-lightation checklist complete. No faults detected. Area clear of all enemies of pleasure. Approval to go throttle up in three, two, one. Oh, perfect cut. As always, let me clean up after myself here. Put this in the ashtray. Fantastic. We want a nice, neat litation area. We don't want to get messy. There's, I tell you, one of the things that really gets me is when you'll go into various places and they will not empty ashtrays. A good cigar retailer, cigar lounge, they will always be emptying the ashtrays. Very important, and most do. Let me take my good old diamond strike-on box match, wooden, got the little green tip. They call it the green light. And you can hear that. And I will gently puff and rotate. I'm going to toast the cigar first, taking my time. Hmm. Hmm. Very nice. Hmm. Hmm. Again, not fancy, but hmm. very nice. Matches about eh, maybe about an inch and a half. Ooh. There we go. Fantastic. It is now officially lit. Take a few more puffs here. Hmm. Now I need something to wash this beautiful cigar down with the proper accoutrement. Scotch, bourbon, and beer. Commence thirst-quenching libationary maneuvers. Well, we've got the 144th running of the Kentucky Derby next week. So it is very important that we celebrate with the right libation, and a libation that will go perfectly with my Griffin 500, which is creamy, it's smooth, so what will I pair it with? Let's think about this for a second. As alphas, as connoisseurs, Kentucky. What is Kentucky associated with? You know what Kentucky's associated with. Fine bourbon. And so it is a no-brainer that I will select one of my favorites, Woodford Reserve. In fact, they've got a very special collector's bottle for the 144th running of the Kentucky Derby, and you can never go wrong with Woodford Reserve. They are the presenting sponsor of the Kentucky Derby, the greatest two minutes in sports. they got a beautiful commemorative bottle, very limited edition, features the artwork of Louisville artist Keith Anderson. And I must tell you that it is, this bourbon has won just incredible awards, major acclaim. It's got just, a, the tasting notes on this thing are just beautiful. It's 91 proof. Nice honey, amber-looking color. Very rich, chewy taste to it. A little bit cinnamon, a little cocoa, 
a little bit of pepper notes. You get the really nice wood taste, the Woodford Reserve top shelf all the way. But I'm not going to have Woodford Reserve neat. I'm going to enjoy a Woodford Reserve mint julep, the traditional Derby Day cocktail, which I've already concocted, crafted from Woodford Reserve bourbon, some simple syrup and mint. Here's the ingredients, very, very easy. Two shots of Woodford Reserve, half ounce of simple syrup, three fresh mint leaves, crushed ice. And what you do is you express the essential oils in the mint. So you take a little muddler, you rub them inside the glass, add some simple syrup, add the bourbon, add the crushed ice, and just stir. Garnish with some more ice and some fresh mint, and you're good to go. There's four ingredients. Bourbon, simple syrup, mint leaves, and crushed ice. Very easy. So let me now go ahead. You can hear all that crushed ice. Let me take a sip. Ah, oh. Mmm, the sweetness. Oh, my dear, the sweetness. Mmm, fabulous. Let me take another sip. Mmm. Mmm. Ah, is that ever refreshing? I'm getting the Woodford. And I don't use a half ounce of simple syrup. I use just a drop, but I put more than three fresh mint leaves because I like that minty flavor. It is indeed magnificent. So I've got my Griffin's 500 Corona that is fully lit. I've got my special ceremonial Kentucky Derby Woodford Reserve Mint Julep. I am good to go wherever you may be. I hope that you are good to go as well. Now, when we come back, it is a tradition on the Cigar Dave Show that either the week of the Kentucky Derby or the week before, we share with you the story of the Buckner Mint Julep Ceremony. I have to get into my genteel southern voice, and I'll give you the history of the Buckner Mint Julep Ceremony, because it's not just about putting in the bourbon. It's not just about the ice. There's a whole ceremony involved with tradition in the genteel south. And when we come back, we'll conduct the special Buckner Mint Julep Ceremony. The General is now on Instagram. Follow him for pictures of the latest cigars, libations, and what he's enjoying during the show. <laughs> that could be interesting, and we'll have to block out some faces. Go to Instagram and search Cigar Dave. As a cigar connoisseur, one of the pleasures that we derive is walking into our retailer's humidor and seeing the latest and greatest in the world of cigars. Nine years ago, I had the idea that I wanted to share great cigars with the cigar lieutenants. So, the Officers Club was born. Every month, you will receive three fantastic premium cigars direct to your door, shipped in a very dapper Officers Club customized Ziploc cigar pouch. $22.95 per month gets you the latest and greatest in the world of cigars. No long-term contracts. You can cancel whenever you want. You enjoy great cigars right to your door. Names like Perdomo, Diamond Crown, Brickhouse, San Latano, Rocky Patel, Torano, CAO, Avo, Camacho, Greycliff, and many more. Join the Officers Club today. Go to CigarDave.com, click on Officers Club, and for $22.95, you'll get the latest and greatest in the world of cigars. In this difficult and challenging time when the government is trying to outlaw premium cigars and take away the art form of enjoying a beautiful cigar, 
we decided to introduce our brand called Prohibition. This cigar is going to be the bootlegger's dream. A gorgeous cigar made in Esteli, Nicaragua, triple cap, using a broadleaf wrapper and a Mexican wrapper from the San Andreas Valley. It's got Nicaraguan tobaccos from the Nicaraguan valleys of Esteli and Jalapa. It's rich, it's complex, it's got some spice, some white pepper, and a ton of sweetness. Full of flavor, this cigar is one that you're going to want to enjoy, and you're going to bootleg, and that's why it's called Prohibition. Enjoy it. I promise you're going to love it. On March 22, 1937, General William D. Connor, the Commandant of the United States Military Academy in West Point, New York, wrote to S.B. Buckner, Jr. in Kentucky to find out the recipe, the true recipe, of the Buckner Mint Julep. And at that time, Mr. S.B. Buckner, Jr. replied, We have that letter, but it's not just about making a mint julep. It is an entire ceremony. And so on March 30th, 1937, Mr. S.B. Buckner, Jr. replied to General William D. Connor, We have that letter, and I will do so using my good old genteel southern voice. It is our tradition here on the Cigar Dave Show. My dear General Connor, your letter requesting my formula for mixing mint juleps leaves me in the same position in which Captain Barber found himself when asked how he was able to carve the image of an elephant from a block of wood. He replied that it was a simple process, consisting merely of whittling off the part that didn't look like an elephant. The preparation of the quintessence of gentlemanly beverages can be described only in like terms. A mint julep is not the product of a formula. It is a ceremony and must be performed by a gentleman possessing a true sense of the artistic, a deep reverence for the ingredients and proper appreciation of the occasion. It is a rite that must not be entrusted to a novice, a statistician, or, oh Lord help us, a Yankee. It is a heritage of the Old South, an emblem of hospitality and a vehicle in which noble minds can travel together upon the flower-strewn paths of happy and congenial thought. So far as the mere mechanics of the operation are concerned, the procedure, stripped of its ceremonial embellishments, can be described as follows. Go to a spring where cool, crystal-clear water bubbles from under a bank of dew-washed ferns. In a consecrated vessel, dip up a little water at the source. Follow the stream through its banks of green moss and wildflowers until it broadens and trickles through beds of mint growing in aromatic profusion and waving ever so softly in the summer breezes. Gather the sweetest and tenderest shoots and gently carry them home 
go to the sideboard and select a decanter of Kentucky bourbon, distilled by a master hand, mellowed with age yet still vigorous and inspiring, an ancestral sugar bowl, a row of silver goblets, some spoons and some ice, and you are ready to start. In a canvas bag, pound twice as much ice as you think you will need. Make it as fine as snow. Keep it dry, and do not allow it to degenerate into a slush. Oh, no, heaven forbid. In each goblet, put a slightly heaping teaspoonful of granulated sugar. Barely cover this with spring water, and slightly bruise one mint leaf into this, leaving the spoon in the goblet. Then pour elixir from the decanter until the goblets are about one-fourth full. Fill the goblets with snowy ice, sprinkling in a small amount of sugar as you will. Wipe the outsides of the goblets dry and embellish copiously with mint. Then comes the important and delicate operation of frosting. By proper manipulation of the spoon, the ingredients are circulated and blended until nature, wishing to take a further hand and add another of its beautiful phenomena, encrusts the whole in a glittering coat of white frost. Thus harmoniously blended by the deft touches of a skilled hand, you have a beverage, you have a beverage eminently appropriate for honorable men and, oh, beautiful southern women. When all is ready, assemble your guests on the porch or in the garden, while the aroma of the juleps will rise heavenward and make the birds sing, chirp, 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 chirp. Propose a worthy toast. Raise the goblet to your lips. Bury your nose in the mint. Inhale a deep breath of its fragrance. And then, slowly, mm, Ah, slip, sip the nectar of the gods. Oh, my lord, being overcome by thirst, I can write no further. Sincerely, S.B. Buckner, Jr. And now, my dear General Connor, you know the quintessential Buckner Mint Julep Ceremony. And so I hope all of you, as you get ready to celebrate the Kentucky Derby, take the Buckner Mint Julep Ceremony to heart, and you can act in your southern genteel way and follow what Mr. S.B. Buckner Jr. stated and make yourself a good southern mint julep. And I can truly say I followed none of what he said. I did not go to a cool spring. I did not find crystal clear water bubbles from a bank of dew-wash ferns. I did not have a consecrated vessel. I did not freeze the glass. But nonetheless, as I sip on my Woodford Reserve Mint Julep. We're taking a sip. Mmm. Ah, it is indeed refreshing. Lovely. Next hour, we'll be joined by Brad Free, noted handicapper for the Daily Racing Forum and broadcaster for TVG, as we talk Kentucky Derby preview and handicapping 101 as we get ready for the 144th Running of the Roses, the Kentucky Derby. Not the KY Derby, the Kentucky Derby. Some people abbreviate it. has nothing to do with KY Jelly. It's the Kentucky Derby. All right, I saw this, and I wanted to share this with you. If you travel internationally, there is a restriction on bringing fruits and meats and other sort of uh, 
agricultural products back to the United States. And they do so for a good reason, because there could be bugs and there could be other sorts of items that could certainly spread quickly and damage our agricultural uh, industry. Makes total sense. But what doesn't make sense is when we have really clipboard-toting customs and border protection officers that go to the nth degree for a matter that could be solved relatively simply. And I'm talking about a Colorado woman who was traveling on her way back to the United States from Gay Paris, from Paris, France. Crystal Tadlock from Denver. Toward the end of her flight from Paris, flight attendants passed out apples in plastic bags as a snack, and it, had a, it came in a Delta bag. Well, Crystal put the fruit in her carry-on to save for when she was hungry during the second leg of her trip, never realizing that it is illegal to bring in any sort of fruit, period. Well, once she arrived in the United States, she went through customs, and her bag was chosen to be randomly searched. A customs agent pulled Crystal Tadlock over, pulled out the apple in a plastic bag with a Delta logo on it. When questioned about the snack, Miss Tadlock explained she received the apple from the airline and asked if she could just throw it away or eat it. The custom agent, customs agent told her no and then said in a flippant voice, asked if her trip to France was expensive. She said, yeah. And she really didn't understand what he was getting at with the question. Then he said, well, it's about to get a lot more expensive after I charge you $500. So the innocent mistake cost her $500. Could have been up to $1,000, and she could lose her global entry status, which allows pre-approved low-risk travelers to have expedited clearance in the U.S. So she is a global entry, but they still can randomly pull you aside. Now, there could have been a dog that sniffed something in her bag, and uh, Cigar Sister Lynn had that happen. Coming back from Europe, dog starts sniffing her and wagging its tail, and the customs agent says, excuse me, do you have any fruit? And she said, actually, I think I do. I think I had took something from the airplane in the little, you know, snack mix. And he goes, yeah, you can't have that. I need you to just throw it out. No problem. The custom agent could have easily said to her, ma'am, you may not realize it, but just to let you know that you cannot have any fruit. So I do need you to throw it out. Can't have you eat it now, but I need you to throw it out. And he said, just in the future, just please know that you can't do that. Now, Delta should have told everyone you cannot take this into the United States because of customs. So if you don't eat it, Either don't take it or give it back to the flight attendant or throw it out. So here we have a bureaucrat. A uh, Customs and Border Protection spokesperson said that all agricultural items, mu items must be declared, prohibited items not declared by a passenger are confiscated, disposed of. Civil penalties may be assessed for a failure to declare prohibited agricultural products and may range up to $1,000 for a first-time offense for non-commercial quantities. Not really. Do we really need to go that far? Do we need a dumbass bureaucrat? Most of the Customs and Border Protection guys are pretty good. They'll say, listen, just to let you know you can't have that, so I need you to throw it away. At which point you say, hey, sorry, didn't realize it. But this Customs and Border Protection agent obviously had a bad day, had to be a prick, had to be an SOB. So this woman gets fined. Ridiculous. We need common sense. When you see she's not bringing in hundreds of pounds, one apple in a Delta bag, let's use common sense. God, these bureaucrats drive me nuts. When you don't have common sense, it drives you crazy. All right, next hour, we will talk with Brad Free, noted handicapper, Kentucky Derby preview, handicapping 101 maneuvers, coming your way next hour two of the Cigar Dave Show. This is CCRN. 
The Cigar Connoisseur Radio Network. Broadcasting from Humidor 1A in the cigar city of Tampa, Florida, U.S.A. Welcome to the Cigar Dave Show, your weekly excursion into the world of cigars, spirits, and diversions. The cigar and pleasure-friendly hotlines are open. 877-DAVE-007. Now, fire up a cigar and pour yourself a cocktail. It's time for the General Cigar Dave. Well, next Saturday, May 5th, very big day. Two big things going on. First, it is Cinco de Mayo, and we will be celebrating with tequila tasting maneuvers on the Cigar Dave show. And the second thing, it is the 144th running for the Roses, the Kentucky Derby from Churchill Downs, Louisville, Kentucky. And we have to really prepare appropriately. And last year... I had a very big winner, big winner, big ticket, and again, followed a lot of advice from our next guest, Brad Free. He is a noted author, noted expert, noted handicapper in the world of horse racing. He is our uh, guest. We've always had a tradition where we've had him on the last number of years. This year will be no exception. So we will be guiding you with our Kentucky Derby preview and handicapping 101 this hour of the Cigar Dave Show. And we welcome you back. As I mentioned, your commanding general, Alpha Male, Global Alpha Male in Chief, has moved the Ford Theater of Operations to a classified Command Center Alpha somewhere on the North American continent. But I will say this. I'm relatively close, not that close, but not that far from where the running of the Roses will take place next Saturday. And we will get you everything you need to know. Now, we're, I should say we're one week out, so the odds are going to change. Post positions, uh, have I don't believe, have been selected just yet. But we'll get you everything you need to know to properly analyze the race, how to have fun if you do wager, because it's so much different where you used to have to physically go to off-track betting or a track now with technology. You can bet on your phone. You can bet on your computer. You can bet anywhere in the world. You can bet if you are if you are enjoying a cigar on the beach somewhere, and that is the amazing thing about technology today. So it is my pleasure to welcome the uh, noted handicapper and author of numerous books on uh, handicapping, horse handicapping, handicapping 101, finding the right horses, making the right bets, handicapping 101, a horse racing primer, Brad Free. And Brad, great to have you. I know you were in Southern California, and uh, if I'm not mistaken, you are uh, still handicapping for Santa Anita Park, correct? That's correct, Dave. Yeah, thanks for having me on again. I appreciate it. Yeah, I'm, handi- I'm here at Santa Anita Park as we're speaking right now, working for Daily Racing Forum, which is the horse player's Bible, so to speak. I write stories and provide a daily handicapping analysis for Daily Racing Forum. I've also picked up a freelance gig, Dave, on TVG, Television Games Network. So I'm a part-time broadcast analyst talking about horse racing, but my full-time job and my number one passion is handicapping and writing about thoroughbred horses for daily racing form. So again, thanks for having me. We got a lot to chat about. 
Absolutely. And I'm on, it's funny because I'm on DRF.com right now and TVG.com. And, and you can get TVG on many cable systems. You can, I know I can get on DirecTV. And in fact, you can even watch races right on your phone. You register for an account. It's really incredible. It is so different than the days when I grew up in Buffalo and uh, in New York State, they had OTB, off-track betting, where you'd actually have to go in and place a wager. And I remember when OTB first opened, that was huge because it really changed the complexion of the horse racing business because it made the pots bigger, the purses bigger, because no longer did you have to go to the track. Well, it made it a lot easier to make a wager. I remember, Dave, when I first started wagering, um, I probably shouldn't admit this, but what the heck? I think the statute of limitations has expired. But I used to, I had a, a, a private bookie right down the street, and my first major score was in 1986, and I was fortunate enough to have uh, win and place money on Ferdinand, who was ridden by, at the time, 54-year-old Bill Shoemaker, trained by Charlie Whittingham, and I made a stack of money on Ferdinand, and to cash my ticket, we phoned in the wagers, and then to cash my ticket, it was in a real, real bad part of town, it was about this dark alley out back. I had to climb up a staircase. The place smelled like you-know-what. And I right. uh, went in and picked up my money. But uh, it, it, those were kind of the the unique characteristics of early wagering. And then OTBs came along. And now, we, as you mentioned earlier, you can wager on your phone. You can do it on TVG. And not only on TVG, uh, on DirecTV or any other cable subscription, but you can also pick up TVG by using a Roku stick, Apple TV, and the Amazon Fire. So there are a lot of ways to watch horse racing. There are a lot of ways to wager TVG. Also, DRF bets. You That's put up right. your money in the Advanced Deposit Wagering Network, and then you have your, your little bankroll to play with. So lots of ways to make some money and lots of ways to lose some money as well. Well, that's what we're here for because, Brad, you are going to guide our alphas and uh, our our uh, lieutenants on how to properly place wagers and how to handicap. But it's it's amazing. I'm looking at TVG.com right now, and there are races at Belmont, Laurel Park, Golden Gate, Keeneland, Tampa Bay Downs. Wait, if I hit the button, there's even more tracks. I mean, there's tracks all over the place. It is really incredible across the country. You could sit at your office all day place a wager. And, you know, to me, I've always viewed horse racing as entertainment where I'm not an expert like you are. I go out and say, look, if I'm going to go to the track or if I'm going to set up an account, eh, maybe I'll put a couple of hundred bucks in. I'll bet $2 to win, or I'll bet maybe a couple of bucks here. To me, that's entertainment. If you break even, great. You had a nice day or it's, it's something kind of cool to watch because think about that. You go out and spend, what, six bucks on a cup of Starbucks mocha frappolatte coffee today. <laughs> and for two bucks, you know, if you if you get lucky then uh, and then do your analysis, say maybe you'll win. But you don't have to go crazy. It's not like Vegas where you got to put down, you know, thousands and thousands of dollars. You know, you put in a small amount, hey, two bucks you can bet, and away you go. Well, you know, you've, if you go to a baseball game, my wife and I are big uh, Los Angeles Dodger fans. We go down to Chavez Ravine to watch the Dodgers. You know, it costs, uh, you know, 60, 80, 100 bucks for a couple seats, a couple hot dogs, parking, etc. And that's fine. That's 100 bucks that I'll never see again. But if you take $100 out to the racetrack, you might walk out of the track. Well, you could walk out with zero, but you could walk out with 200, 500, or $1,000. So it's a form of entertainment, but it's one of the few forms of entertainment that allows you the potential to leave the 
place with more money than you arrived with. So that's what I try to do every single day. Of course, it doesn't always work out, but we give it a shot. Brad, tell us about your background, how you became an expert handicapper, how you got interested in horse racing. Give us your your bio. Well, my, my family, my father and his three brothers were all huge horse racing fans. In fact, my late uncle, a guy by the name of Robert Newton Free, R.N. Free, was actually a horse trainer for, that was his entire career. And so I was exposed to horse racing from a very young age. It was a cool place to go with my dad and, and my uncles out to the racetrack. We grew up in the San Gabriel Valley. Uh, Santa Anita Park was always right around the corner, and we would come out here for the, the last race of the day. So from the time that I can remember, from the time I could begin to walk, the racetrack was just a place to go to hang out with uh, the adults and have a great time. I grew to love the game. I also grew to love journalism. So I was able to just to turn a long-winded story into the, the short version. They got a part-time job at the Pasadena Star News. Uh, in 1986, again, back to uh, Ferdinand winning the Kentucky Derby, I told everybody at the Pasadena Star News, Ferdinand is the horse you need to bet on. I was just a young, know-it-all, brash, arrogant, didn't really know as much as I thought I did. But I got lucky that one day. Ferdinand won the Kentucky Derby. The sports editor was so impressed with my handicapping knowledge that I was hired to become the turf writer at the Pasadena Star News. Went from there to the National Sports Daily, a short-lived publication that had superstar columnists from coast to coast. It was led by the late Frank DeFord. I went to the Racing Times after that, and I've been with the Daily Racing Forum since 1993. So I'm closing in on... uh, 25 years at Daily Racing Forum. Uh, Brad Free, our guest, a noted handicapper reporter for the Daily Racing Forum and TVG broadcaster from the, uh, really your base of operations is Santa Anita Park in the Southern California, L.A. area. But Brad, what's really interesting is I remember, we talked about OTB, the Daily Racing Forum. That still is really the Bible, but you'd have to wait for that to come in early in the morning. It would come in, and you'd mark it up. And today, you see people doing it on iPads. It's instantaneous delivery. You can get it online. You can get it on your phone. It's incredible. I mean, I, you, I remember seeing guys, you know, like a, a cigar in their mouth and, you know, like a pen in their mouth or, or, or a, you know, kind of like scratching, and they'd have the DRF, the Daily Racing Form, folded up and notes and everything. It is amazing how technology has really advanced and changed that. I mean, now you can get it anywhere. Well, there's no doubt about it. The Internet has basically changed. It changed everything. It changed print journalism and pretty much killed print journalism, which was unfortunate for me since I've been a print journalist for my entire life. And it also changed the, the way you can wager on horses. There aren't The crowds out at the racetrack are not as large as they used to be. There used right. to be a lot more excitement out at the racetrack because there were lots of people around. And the more people, the more buzz you felt. Nowadays, people stay home, they wager on their computer, and the, the atmosphere at the racetrack is a little bit more subdued than it was once upon a time, except, of course, for the big days, like Churchill, like Kentucky Derby Day at Churchill Downs. They'll have 160,000 people there, uh, 40,000 people out at Santa Anita on a big day. So the big days are still the big days, but the Wednesday, Thursday, Fridays, it's a little bit more quiet, but I will say this. There still are plenty of cigar aficionados at the racetrack, and every time I catch a whiff of a good cigar, it takes me back to my childhood and smelling that 
wonderful aroma at the racetrack. It, a cigar always reminds me of the racetrack. And it's one of the places in California you can still enjoy a cigar because they do have outdoor areas where you can still enjoy. Our guest is Brad Free, noted uh, daily racing form a writer and handicapper, also with TVG as a broadcaster, tvg.com, drf.com, uh, DRF Bets. Our annual Kentucky Derby preview, Handicapping 101. When we come back with Brad, we will start delving into how to read the racing form, how to analyze the, the different races. So when you go in, you actually have some odds in your favor. The Cigar Dave Officers Club selection this month is a Davidoff portfolio sampler, including the Camacho Ecuador. This cigar features an earthy Brazilian Matafina binder, Honduran and Dominican fillers, resulting in an intense, full-bodied cigar that's as balanced as it is loud. Want these cigars shipped directly to you each month? Log on to CigarDave.com to join the Officers Club. In 1964, Jose O. Padron began rolling cigars bearing his name in modest surroundings with one guiding principle, always focus on quality, never on quantity. Nearly 40 years later, Padron cigars are recognized for their superior taste and majestic construction. The result of Padron controlling all aspects of the cigar making process, including planting their own seeds, growing and curing their own tobacco, and constantly supervising the rolling room. To Wall Street, it is called vertical integration. To the Padron family, it's called making great cigars. The Padron lines include the Padron 1964 Anniversary Series and the Padron Traditional line. All Padron cigars are wrapped in Nicaraguan sun-grown Habano tobacco, available in natural or maduro. Experience Padron. For your Padron retailer, call 1-800-453-5635. When Padron is on the band, quality is a matter of family honor. Surgeon General Warning. Tobacco use increases the risk of infertility, stillbirth, and low birth weight. As a cigar connoisseur, one of the pleasures that we derive is walking into our retailer's humidor and seeing the latest and greatest in the world of cigars. Nine years ago, I had the idea that I wanted to share great cigars with the cigar lieutenants. So, the Officers Club was born. Every month, you will receive three fantastic premium cigars direct to your door, shipped in a very dapper Officers Club customized Ziploc cigar pouch. $22.95 per month gets you the latest and greatest in the world of cigars. No long-term contracts. You can cancel whenever you want. You enjoy great cigars right to your door. Names like Perdomo, Diamond Crown, Brickhouse, San Latano, Rocky Patel, Torano, CAO, Avo, Camacho, Greycliffe, and many more. Join the Officers Club today. Go to CigarDave.com, click on Officers Club, and for $22.95, you'll get the latest and greatest in the world of cigars. The despot seal is on thy shore, Maryland, my Maryland. His touch is at thy temple door, Maryland, my Maryland. There are three races to win the Triple Crown, the Kentucky Derby, which is next Saturday. And there's the Preakness Stakes, which uh, takes place from Pimlico Racecourse, my former stomping ground in Baltimore. 
And then the Preakness Stakes from New York. The uh, I believe that is the longest. That is a long race. And our guest, Brad Free, noted handicapping expert for the Daily Racing Forum and TVG. And we are talking Kentucky Derby Preview Handicapping 101. How long, Brad, is the Preakness? It's, what, a mile and the 16th? The Derby is a mile and a quarter. The Preakness is slightly shorter, a mile and three sixteenths. And then we stretch out to a mile and one half in the Belmont Stakes three wow, weeks one after and a the Preakness. Half. And yeah. that's really what separates the the men from the boys, because that is a long way to go, a mile and a half. Well, there's no doubt about it. And it's, it's a, the longest distance that most of these horses will ever try. There are very few mile and a half dirt races run in the United States. The Belmont is one of them, and it's a very prestigious, important race. And, of course, back in 2015, American Pharaoh became the first Triple Crown winner in, I believe, 37 years when he swept the, the Derby Preakness in Belmont for trainer Bob Baffert. All right. Now, before we even get to talking about the Kentucky Derby pre or Kentucky Derby or any of the Triple Crown races, we need to learn how to properly bet. Now, I know there are many people that say, I like the name of that horse or I like how that horse looks. And that's OK. And by the way, I've won money doing that as well, saying, <laughs> you know what, it's kind of a toss up. I like the name of the horse. You know what? Two bucks on it. And sure enough. And again, it's pure luck. It's like a lottery. But we want to have the edge. Now, the Daily Racing Forum has a fantastic free publication, a PDF that we are linking to on social media at CigarDave.com called An Introduction to Wagering and Winning. And it tells you how to read the Daily Racing Forum uh, performance charts because uh, it's very important that you look at past performance. Sometimes history is prologue. Sometimes it is, sometimes it isn't. But what is the importance of looking at the past races of a horse, Brad? Well, thoroughbreds are athletes, just like Clayton Kershaw is a, a, a pitcher for the Los Angeles Dodgers, Jared Goff, a quarterback for the Rams. They have distinct traits, characteristics, strengths, and weaknesses, and so do thoroughbred horses. They're athletes, and they do what they have done. The premise, the whole premise of handicapping is that horses will repeat what they have done in the past. And so how do you know what they've done in the past? Well, you look at the past performance data in the daily racing form, and it shows you in a numerical sense what the horse has done in each of his or her 10 or 12 most recent starts. And if you, once you learn how to analyze the past performances, you can arrive at an intelligent conclusion regarding that horse's chance to win or sometimes lose a particular race. But the first thing to remember is thoroughbreds are athletes just like people. They have peculiarities, idiosyncrasies. Sometimes they throw in a bad race, just like a pitcher or a quarterback will throw in a, a bad game. So the, you can't you know, live and die like the Bible with these horses' past performances, but it gives you a very good sense of what a horse can be expected to do based on what he or she has done in the past. And as we look at this introduction to wagering and winning that we've posted for the Daily Racing Forum, the first thing you notice on the sample past performance, it's got the number of the horse. First, it's going to tell you the race, but the number of the horse, the name of the horse. So for the example here, it's CJ's Line Drive, who the owner is, 
what colors the jockey wear. It shows who the mother, the father, the breeder, the trainer. And then there's an interesting thing. The second line talks about uh, the upper right-hand corner, lifetime starts and, and win, place, show finishes, earnings. So it gives you a lot of information about their career and something called the buyer speed figure. What is that? The buyer speed figure is a numerical, obviously, it's a number that that kind of boils down how fast a, a particular horse may have run. And what, the, what a buyer figure does is allow you to compare horses that run at different distances and or different racetracks because racetracks are not all the same. A horse that can run six furlongs in a minute and 10 seconds at Santa Anita might require a minute and 11 seconds at another slower racetrack over a slower surface. The buyer speed figure takes into consideration the actual speed of a racetrack. These racetracks, these racing surfaces, they change from day to day. They change uh, by track maintenance. They change in the weather. Um, so the buyer speed figure takes into consideration the inherent speed of the racetrack and boils it down into one simple number that allows you to identify which horses are the fastest horses in the race without having to do all the computations on your own, without having to try to figure out a horse that runs six furlongs in a minute and 12. Well, how does he compare it to a horse that runs seven furlongs in a minute and 25 seconds? The buyer speed figure boils it down, allows horse-to-horse -horse comparisons even horses that raced at different distances and or racing surfaces. And the buyer scale goes from zero, which is the slowest, to approximately 125, obviously being the fastest. So if I knew nothing, Brad, about handicapping, and I said, look, I just want to bet on this race, and there are 10 horses, and one's got a figure of 110, the, all are, the rest are maybe 102, 97, you could say, okay, well, it's pretty fast. Let me go with the horse that's 110. Doesn't necessarily mean he's going to win, but that could be a rough guide, rough estimate. That could absolutely be a very rough guide. It's a very basic, fundamental uh, consideration. The speed of a horse, that's one of the four basic considerations. So if you went to the racetrack with a daily racing form and you just bet on the horse with the highest buyer speed figure in his or her last start, you would pick a lot of winners. You would cash a lot of tickets. Now, the downside of that is the most of those horses with the high speed figures tend to be the favorites. So you have to dig a little bit deeper into the numbers to come up with a long shot that is live. A horse that maybe ran a fast number five starts ago and had excuses for its four most recent starts. So if but yeah, you can identify just looking at the buyer speed figures will give you a general sense of who the fastest horse in the race is going into a race. Brad Free, our guest, uh, noted handicapper, Kentucky Derby preview and handicapping 101 continues. The General is always on Twitter, delivering breaking news, giving you the latest intel on cigars, and battling the enemies of pleasure. Chat with the General now at Cigar Dave Show. The Cigar Dave Show is available 24-7, 365 via the Cigar Dave mobile app for Android, iPhone, as well as Amazon Kindle. 
You don't need to be in front of a radio. You just need to have your mobile device ready to go. And you can listen to me take on the enemies of pleasure. Talk about the alpha male good life as we talk cigars, spirits, diversions, grilling, everything associated with the alpha male good life. So go download the Cigar Dave mobile app today presented by Diamond Crown. And you can listen to the show live noon to 2 Eastern time anywhere around the world. And as soon as the show is done, we run a continuous loop. The show is also available on demand. Also our Twitter feed, Facebook feed, and the ability for you to record a message and send it directly to us. So go right now. If you've got an Android, an iPhone, or the Amazon Kindle, Go and download the Cigar Dave mobile app presented by Diamond Crown. Never miss a minute of a Cigar Dave show with a Cigar Dave mobile app. Start spreading the news. I'm leaving today I want to be a part of it New York, New York The third and final race of the Triple Crown takes place in New York, New York, Belmont Park. It is the Preakness and the longest of the Triple Crown races. So we've got the Preakness. We've got the Belmont, and we will get to the Kentucky Derby preview in just a bit. But we continue talking Handicapping 101 with Brad Free, noted handicapper for the Daily Racing Forum and broadcaster for TVG. Great way to watch races in your office, on the beach, at home, in your pleasure palace. Make wagers as well as drfbets.com. Wrote the book Handicapping 101, Finding the Right Horses and Making the Right Bets. Available both hardcover and on Amazon Kindle. And Brad, we talked uh, left off talking about how to read the racing form, the daily racing form, how to read the past performance figures. And we talked about the basics. We talked about the buyer speed figure, all the different races. But one of the important things you have to look at is the previous races. And there's about, uh, depending on how many races the horse has run, there is a number of previous races. Usually there's about, I think, what, about eight or ten they normally list or a dozen? Usually about 12, yeah. That's right. 12. All right. And it shows where did the how did the horse do the last time out or all those uh, past races. And it shows you what he, where he finished. And also shows the running style, where they were at various points. Uh, points along the race. So let's talk about that because that's very important. We see some horses that maybe hold back, some that are quick out of the gate and tend to fade. Gives us a lot of information about the horse. Well, there's a lot of information in the past performances and the horse's most recent start is actually probably the most important start when it comes to analyzing uh, his current form, his condition, and or his running style. And you mentioned, Dave, in in a race where Four or five horses have the same running style. Say they all like to be on or near the lead. You see lots of ones and twos in their running line. When there are numerous horses with a similar running style, they can only do one thing, and that's get in each other's way. So in a race with four or five speed horses, you want to find somebody who's coming from out of the clouds. You want to find a closer. On the other hand, you might look through the past performances of a particular race 
and and you go through and you go, where is the speed? Maybe there's only one front runner in that race. That is the most advantageous situation you can ever find a single front runner in an otherwise paceless race. Because what happens is that front runner gets out there on the lead. He coasts along. He's by himself under no pressure whatsoever. Horses love to run and they especially love to run when they're running by themselves. And a horse that gets loose on the lead is always dangerous. So that goes back to the the pace uh, situation. That's a, a very fundamental criteria when it comes to analyzing a horse's chance. How does his running style compare to the others in the field? Reminds me of that great horse, Cigar, how he would always kind of stay in the pack and then boom, he would explode and just lights out. He, he was fantastic. And how about the mare that came along a few years later by the name of Zenyatta? She had no speed whatsoever. She was an aberration. She was kind of a fluke. She would race at the back of the field. She usually trailed the field into the backstretch. But at the wire, first 19 starts that she made, she won them all. And she lost the final start of her career by a nose. But, yeah, horses have similar, have dissimilar running styles. or they're, they're all different. Horses, Some horses like to go fast early and they slow down late. Others go slow early and they try to speed up late. So when you identify a horse's running style compared to how the race is likely to unfold, you can give yourself, uh, put yourself in position to maybe make a little score. Brad Free, our guest, as we conduct our Kentucky Derby preview, Handicapping 101, 144th running of the Kentucky Derby is next week. But we're going to give you all the information you need before you even get to placing the wager. And there's something, I think, relatively new, Brad, the Daily Racing Form has come out with to make it easier to look at past performance called the DRF Easy Form. And I'm looking at one right now. Much more compressed in terms of the information seems to be a little bit more U.S. I guess I'd call that the USA Today version of a past performance chart. Well, you know, there's nothing wrong with that because no, look, the learning curve is is steep in horse racing. I mean, there's a lot of, of information to dissect, to interpret. And for a lot of people, it's just a little bit overwhelming and, and just too intimidating to get into. I personally love it. I was going to be an accountant before I decided to become a horse racing journalist. So I love numbers and I love to, to dive into them and figure out what these numbers actually mean. But it's a tough game to learn. It takes a long time to learn how to handicap. I've been doing it for a long, long time, and I still learn things every single day. So, yeah, the, if, if the easy form is something that allows you to, you know, understand what these racehorses have done and what they are likely to do, then heck, why not take a little bit of a shortcut? Well, I'm looking at the example that Daily Racing Forum has on, and we, we will link to this at cigardave.com and post it as well on social media. And ironically, it gives a, just it's like a three-page PDF file that that explains how to read the easy form. But ironically, Brad, you your race that you handicapped. The seventh race from Del Mar on Wednesday, September 1st, 2010, is the example they use. Here are your picks. I don't know if you remember these. It's a 5 p.m. Pacific start time, three-quarters of a mile on a synthetic surface. Your picks were, number one, Miles Rules, second, Swiss Wildcat, and third, Von Nez. Do any of those ring a bell? Well, yeah, Miles Rules rings a bell. I can't remember if she won that race, but I, if I'm if my memory serves me right, which 
is I don't know what the probability of that is, but Miles Rules was a good, solid California bred steaks filly. She wasn't quite a graded steaks caliber filly. She was just a notch below, but she was fast. She was a front runner, and uh, she made a lot of money. I believe that she was owned by I want to say Ted Aroni, and I'm not sure who the trainer was. It might have been Cliff Size. Uh, it's it's the trainer. Yeah, Cliff Size. You got it. C Size jockey was Jay Veranzuela. Uh, Jose Veronezuela. Sure. Jose, yeah, that, right, absolutely. just has the first initial. There you go. And what's interesting yep. on that race, she this was her maiden, uh, the maiden race she had raced was on July 17th. So this is September. So this is a couple of months later, six weeks, seven weeks later. So there's only mm-hmm. one race to analyze, but her buyer speed figure was higher than anybody else in that race. That's incredible. Well, well, no wonder that she was my top selection. There then. you go. Sometimes, sometimes handicappers are called masters of the obvious because you know you, you come up with you, you do all the analysis, you come up with the favorite, and the, your critics say, "Well, anybody could have come up with that one." And you know what? Sometimes they're actually right. In the case of Miles Rules making the second start of her career, it, with a high buyer speed figure and a second start maiden, second start maidens often improve by. Um, leaps and bounds that would have been an easy selection to come up with i'm not sure if she actually won that race but i know she turned out to be a pretty good filly we will have our crack research staff uh find that out we will look at that brad we'll see how you did now brad uh, is the easy form is that uh available if you're a subscriber to daily racing form or can you buy an individual race how does that work uh, if somebody wants to get the past performance or the easy form uh, drf.com and if you just go down to the, uh, the the site map and that should be able that should point you in the right direction as far as easy form goes or what you could do dave is you know buy the uh, book handicapping 101 and really become an expert and uh, you can skip the easy form uh, part and just go straight into the actual past performance data that is used uh, by horse players coast to coast Fantastic. And again, we're going to post a link to that as well. Your book, Handicapping 101, which I actually owned even before I had uh, 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 made contact with you ages ago. I remember way back when I was in high school. So this has got to be 1979, maybe 80, 81. There was this little, it was like a Mattel horse racing handicapping analyzer. And it looked like a wide calculator. And you would put all the numbers in. And uh, actually, it was pretty interesting because it gave me some uh, some interesting. I used to like the um, uh, wagering. One of my history teachers actually taught me more about math than I probably learned in math class on how to read the racing form and how to bet and how to wager. And true story, funny story. One afternoon, I'm coming back from school. I think it was a senior year of high school, and I double parked. Not far from my home, there was an off-track betting. And I had my flashers on just to go in because I had like three tickets that won that I had to cash in. So later that night, my mother says, you know, I thought I saw your car double parked out on Hurdle Avenue by uh, off-track betting. And I'm like, oh, yeah, I had to cash some tickets. She goes, oh, did you win? And I said, yeah. She goes, okay, that's good. And that was the end of that. <laughs> I love it. I think that, that, that was who you were referring to, Dave. Was that called the calculus? calcometer or something like that something like that yeah i remember it it was like it was about it it was a narrow bar it was probably about eight nine inches wide maybe about two inches high and you you had a little screen and you punched the numbers in and it gave you like you know what it it thought was the number one two and three horse and it was pretty well but it it would take you forever to put the info in and that's one (laughs) of the things that's very important also brad you don't need you you don't need to go bet every race. There are some races where you look and you say, you know, 
There's nothing really clear or obvious. Stay away. People think you have to wager on every single race, Brad, and that's not the case. Well, that's the biggest mistake that horse players make is betting on every single race. You have to have some discipline if you're going to make money betting horses. Now, look, if you only go out to the track, you know, once every six months or once a year, then by all means, please do bet every race. You're out there to have fun. The chances right. of you showing a long-term profit are probably minimal. But if you're at the track every day, like I am, I pass most races. A lot of people can't do that. A lot of people, they get out here, they get sucked up into the whole atmosphere, and they want to start firing away. You cannot make money at the races by betting every single race. Some races are just indecipherable, so you have to sit them out. All right, when we come back for a final and concluding segment of this edition of the Cigar Dave Show, we will teach you the basics of placing wager. There's exotics and there's trifectas and exactas, but we'll give you the basics because for the Kentucky Derby, which we're going to preview as well, you don't have to get fancy. So when we come back, we'll continue our conversation with Brad Free, Handicapping 101, Kentucky Derby Preview, noted handicapper, noted author, as well as uh, writer for Daily Racing Forum and broadcaster for TVG. We will wrap it up around the corner. The Cigar Dave Officers Club selection this month is a Davidoff portfolio sampler, including the Griffins 500. This cigar's outstanding flavor is achieved by blending Dominican tobaccos with a super smooth Connecticut shade grown wrapper to create a creamy, complex flavor. Once cigars like these shipped directly to you each month, log on to CigarDave.com to join the Officers Club. If you're like millions of cigar buffs, you've enjoyed a love affair with Romeo y Julieta. Your passion has made it the world's best-known brand, trusted to deliver an excellent mild smoke. But now, you're ready for something new and avant-garde, something bolder with more panache. Now, there's Romeo by Romeo y Julieta, a modern, fuller-bodied smoke created to lead an exciting new trend in luxury cigars. Romeo is our finest Romeo y Julieta, an awesome manly smoke, robust and rich in complex flavor sensations. Each leaf is carefully selected, delicately aged, and meticulously crafted by expert hands full of wisdom and tenderness. Hands with decades of experience, culminating in an unforgettable smoke. Your first Romeo will blow you away. The passion you've always felt will soar to new heights. You'll discover the passion that burns within. Visit The Cigar Life on Facebook and Twitter. Surgeon General Warning. Tobacco smoke increases the risk of lung cancer and heart disease even in non-smokers. America is under attack. Basic freedoms, privileges, and acts that we would normally take for granted are disappearing each day, including the simple ability to enjoy a cigar. This is Glenn Loop, Executive Director of Cigar Rights of America, CRA. At a time when elected officials should be thinking about education, public safety, and creating jobs, they are actually thinking about smoking bans, new taxes, and regulations of historic proportions on premium cigars. The cigars that provide us with pleasure, relaxation, and fellowship are under attack. We have to stop it. That's why Cigar Rights of America was created, to work for a new political day for cigar enthusiasts across America, to roll back restrictive laws and defeat onerous taxes and regulations that impact everyone from your local cigar shop to your personal humidor. For the price of a few great cigars, be a part of this effort to protect your right to enjoy a cigar without excessive taxation and cumbersome legislation. Go to CigarRights.org. 
Let's tell the government we've had enough. Join now, CigarRights.org. Kentucky home. Now we hit the number one race in the Triple Crown. The run for the roses. The 144th running of the Kentucky Derby next Saturday, May 5th. Same day as Cinco de Mayo. We welcome you back for our final and concluding segment of our Kentucky Derby preview and Handicapping 101 with noted handicapper for the Daily Racing Forum and TVG broadcaster Brad Free. We've also got a link to his book, Handicapping 101, that we have posted as well at CigarDave.com and on social media. Great book. I've got it. Brad, we've talked about everything but actually placing the wager. Now, there are three ways that a horse can win and you can bet on. He can win, come in first. Place comes in first or second, show comes in first, second, or third. But sometimes even if you bet to win a horse, if he's, if he's an odds-on favorite, you don't necessarily win that much. The odds aren't so great in your favor. Well, a lot of times everybody likes the same horse, and more money is wagered on that horse. Therefore, there are fewer losers that are able to supplement the win payoffs for those who win. So if you make a bet on an even money shot, a horse that is one-to-one, one, even money, $2 to win, the horse wins, you're going to get back your $2 plus another $2. You're going to make $2 in profit on an even money shot. That's why when you see a lot of these odds-on favorites, you know, it's everybody's going for it. And sometimes I say, you know what, maybe it's worth it for me to go, yeah, I'll put a $2 bet on the favorite, but then I'll put a $2 bet maybe on a little bit, uh, one that could come in who maybe has, goes off at 7-to-1 or 8-1 to one or 9-2, to two, whatever. So you got to look at that. Now, the other thing is there's some bets called exotic bets. The two that I'm thinking of are an exacta and trifecta. What are those? Well, an exacta requires you to pick the first two finishers in order, and a trifecta, the first three finishers in order. So clearly, that's a lot more difficult to pick two horses in order than it is to pick one. In fact, let's just take the Kentucky Derby as an example. 20 horses in the starting gate. There are 20 possible winners. So how many possible exactas are there? Well, there are 380 possible exactas because you have 20 possible winners and 19 possible runners up. So 20 times 19 is 380. It's a much more difficult wager to hit, but the corresponding payoffs kind of make that risk uh, sometimes worthwhile. And with a trifecta, it's even more difficult, the one, two, three finishers in order. And you can box them, meaning they can come in any particular that's order, correct. but you it can, costs you more to make the wager. That's correct, yeah. If you want to bet a $2 exacta box, that means you have one, two, two, one. That will cost you a total of $4. And if your two horses finish one, two across the wire in either order, then you win that bet. Now, you can place a bet online. It's 100% legal. Now, we talked about drfbets.com, tvg.com, 
and you can watch the races. You can you can wager on tracks across the country, no problem. So those are the two primary, and you just set up an account, and away you go, correct? Yeah, it's called Advanced Deposit Wager, and you have to make an advanced deposit. They, it's not like the old days with a bookie where they allowed you to bet on credit. <laughs> the, the legal way to wager, you have to put your money up first, and then you, then you bet off of your bankroll. You make that advanced deposit, and then you wager against that uh, your your own personal bankroll, and you can transfer money in and out through your bank. When you have a score, you can withdraw money. It's it's trouble free, hassle free. It's all perfectly legal and legitimate, and that's actually how I make most of my wagers online through either drfbets or tvg.com. Now, I should say also, because you've got a week in advance, don't wait till Saturday, five minutes before the running of the Kentucky Derby. We're giving you a week notice, so go ahead and do it now. That's what I did last year. I did it about three, four days before, no problem. And when the race came around, placed my bets about five minutes before, and I was good to go. Now, let's talk about the 144th running of the Kentucky Derby, the run for the Roses, Churchill Downs. On your Twitter, uh, Brad, yesterday afternoon, you had a picture of Justify, the presumptive favorite for the Kentucky Derby, who is now uh, working out at Santa Anita. Beautiful-looking horse. Now, there's no odds out yet. Still way too early. We don't know the post times. But let's talk about the Kentucky Derby. Tell me about Justify, what you think the odds-on favorite is. Well, he is an absolute uh, specimen. I mean, he's an, he's a beast. He's a, a picturesque statuesque horse. He's a chestnut, which is kind of a reddish Brown color. He has only started three times. He won his first start by more than nine lengths, his second start by more than six and his third start against the best field that he's faced by three lengths Friday morning at Santa Anita. It was about six 30 in the morning. Justify had his final major workout for the Kentucky Derby Justify, by the way, is trained by Bob Baffert, arguably the best trainer in North America, and Justify disposed of his workmate, drew off through the clubhouse turn, and he worked out like a full-scale exercise. He worked out like a horse that will make some serious noise a week from today in the Kentucky Derby. Justify is expected to be the favorite. I think his odds, Dave, are going to be somewhere around 3-1. to which is actually a pretty good price. If you bet $2 on a three-to-one shot and that horse wins, you get back your original investment plus three times the amount that you wagered, so you would get back a total of $8. If Justify goes off at three-to-one and wins the Derby, $2 win bet going to get you a return of approximately 8 bucks. And if I'm not mistaken, uh, he's never run as a two-year-old, correct? Didn't he just turn well, two? That's, and that's one of the biggest challenges that Justify faces. It's been 1882. 1882 was the last time the Kentucky Derby was won by a horse that did not race as a two-year-old. The early foundation of a racehorse is very key to his or her development. And there have been more than 60 horses since then have tried in the Kentucky Derby, having not raced as a two-year-old, and every single one of them has fallen short. So Justify and also Magnum Moon, uh, another very top-ranked colt in the Kentucky Derby this year. Neither one of these three-year-olds raced last year as a two-year-old. But here's the other thing. Neither one of them has lost a race. Magnum Moon is four for four. Justify is three for three, trying to put a 
an end to the so-called curse of Apollo. Apollo was the 1882 Kentucky Derby winner who did not previously race as a two-year-old. All right, we've got about 20 seconds to go. So tell me, give me two names, two other horses to be on the lookout for. Well, you have Justified Magnamoon Mendelssohn, who has been to California once before. He won a big race on grass. He won the UAE Derby. And Vino Rosso, who won the Wood Memorial at Aqueduct. So Magnamoon, Vino Rosso, Mendelssohn, and Justified, the four leading candidates. Brad, as always, we appreciate you joining us. Brad Free, our Kentucky Derby preview, Handicapping 101. And we've got all his links at CigarDave.com. Cigar Dave, the general saying, Mayor Humidor always be full. Mayor Cutter always be sharp. Mayor Ashby extra, extra long. Semper Delictatio, always pleasure. Long live the Alpha. Make America great again. Screw the enemies of pleasure. And may your horse win. And pay big in the Kentucky Derby next week. Cinco de Mayo. Tequila tasting maneuvers next week. Loads of tequila. Kentucky Derby. Cigars. Life is good. <laughs>